Well, now that we're almost halfway through January, I want you to ask yourself how your motivation level is feeling right now. Are you still feeling motivated to accomplish your New Year's goals? Well, even though you may feel motivated now, that motivation won't always be there when you need it. But I want you to think of this concept throughout the year. Don't let motivation be the driver of your success. I first learned this concept three years ago and have always had it tucked away in the back of my mind since then and can honestly say it's been a huge contributor to any success that I've seen in the mortgage industry for myself. The reality is motivation is awesome, but when it comes down to forming on game day, trust me, it won't always be there for you. You need the foundation and habits to be your driving force to accomplishing your goals, not motivation. So in this episode, we go over key foundation pieces you need to have set up then dive deeper on the layers and habits that accompany the foundation pieces. I promise you, if you incorporate both the foundations and layers and habits we go over in the episode, your business will thrive in 2024 and will have you earning more while working less. If you're new to the show, my name is Tom Moffat and I'm joined by my good buddy, business partner and co-host, Brandon Love. Whether you are new in the industry or a seasoned vet, you will get specific takeaways from every episode as we strive to make commission breath focused and granular. So let the Commission Breath Podcast be your tool to grow in your mortgage business. So let's dive right into the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 26 of Commission Breath. Brandon Love here with Tom Moffat. I hope you're off to a rip-roaring start to 2024. We're kicking it old school today, going back to the roots of the early episodes, and we're having a couple drinky poos. So, Tom, why don't you share what you're having right now? I am having, you know what, I should have prepared for this. (laughs) I'm having wine. That's all I know. It's a California. Actually, I think it's Merlot. It tastes great, man. That's all I care about. Great start to the year. Let's have a beverage, right? Exactly. And now I know that your wife picks out your wine for you because you don't have any idea what you're drinking. No, I think totally my house. (laughs) Well, I'd say it's not as sexy as your Negroni there. Yeah, I'm having a nice Negroni. I bought Negroni ingredients for my family Christmas and I got the flu. So I had all this booze sitting around that, you know, I just had to put to work. So we're feeling good. We're in a good space here. We have done a lot of business planning towards the end of 2024, and we really just wanted to share some stuff with you today. So what we're going to go through is our framework for leveling up in 2024. So really, what we're going to do is just share you two frameworks that will help you work less, but earn more. Yeah. So these two frameworks, the first framework is foundation. So it's really going to go over the foundation of really setting the tone and setting out your day to make you more prepared to really just rock and roll and have a good year. And the second is we're going deeper on those foundations with more tactical, practical steps to really nail down those foundations. So we'll start out with the foundations. The first thing that we want to talk about is auditing your calendar. So this really sets the tone for everything. We got to make sure our calendar is set up properly. You have all of the tasks properly put in there. So the first thing I would do is go through your calendar and remove any wasted time that you think you are doing throughout the day. So whether it's physically looking at your calendar or just mentally thinking about, okay, like what's some of the stuff that I caught myself doing in 2023 that was just wasting a lot of time during my day? For some of you, it might be scrolling on Instagram or any of your social medias. It could be talking to clients too long. Like we know some people that just talk so damn long with their clients. Like it's insane had a couple conversations with other brokers where they're on phone calls for like 30, 45 minutes, which yeah, you're building rapport, establishing trust with your clients, but do you need that much time? 
chances are probably not unless it's a one-off. I know you and I, Brandon, we're probably 15, 20 minutes tops for like a strategy call, if we're even having a strategy call at that point. Yeah, a lot of what we do is send a Loom video. And then if you need clarifying points, you can circle back with us and book a call. But I find that saves so much more time. I was talking to someone over the holidays and they were like 45 minutes to an hour on a call. And I was like, what were you talking about? And they're like, oh, the different merits of fixed versus variable and different things like that. I'm like, dude, like record that in a video one time and share that with them. You don't need to be wasting your time that way. Yeah, and you might be thinking that like you're doing a disservice by doing that, but you're not. It's great because they get to reference that video later on and they can show their spouse, family member, whoever else is a part of that mortgage that maybe they weren't there on the first phone call. And then you're kind of playing that relay tag of them not really knowing what the initial conversation was. And I find when I'm on like a phone call with someone and we get to that length, it's typically because they're interrupting with a lot of questions that you would have already answered in that one video take. So that's why we love doing it. We do it with a lot of our stuff. And we reference this on, I think, our last episode about strategy calls and how we typically don't do them unless it's absolutely necessary. We do it all through Loom. Exactly. And the key piece there too is if you're in a 45-minute call or you're spending this massive amount of time, if someone has a follow-up question for you later on, they're like, oh crap, I don't even want to ask them because I don't want to allocate another 45 minutes of my time. Like They are thinking about guarding their time as well. So then they start looking for answers elsewhere. And that's a very quick way to start losing clients if they start looking for answers elsewhere. Yeah, 100%, man. So anything else you want to add to auditing your calendar by removing any other waste of time? No, I think that's pretty good. It hits the nail on the head. You'll start to see the first couple here, we're stripping things away. And then from that base, we'll build onto it. So number two is one that I think so many people waste time on, and that is their morning routine. They have to have their coffee just so they're two pencils lined up on their desk, their workout, their meditation. And then half the day's gone and you're like, what's going on? So I think that's a big one. And you did this in 2023 towards the end of the year. You cut out a big chunk of your morning routine and your production skyrocketed from that point. Yeah, it was a big one for me. And I'm torn on this. Like I'm the one that put this point down. So of course I agree with this and I'm all for it. But I think there's a point where you're going a bit too extreme with it. And I first heard this from your boy Hermosi. And he mentioned like all he does is he wakes up, he has his coffee and he goes to work. And I was the opposite at that point. If you're not including my gym time, I was probably about like maybe an hour, hour and a half of all of my morning routines, which I thought were making me feel great. Like, yes, a lot of them were, but at the same time, a lot of it was wasted time that I could have much rather put that towards my business and had a higher outcome, which I put to the test and it did. Like I had a great 2023 and I think a lot of it was because of that but I'm now reverting back a little bit and I'm putting a bit more of my old habits that I used to have in the morning. And these are the typical like meditating, like I've been doing meditation for years. Like I'm talking like old school Tim Ferriss days when I first listened to him, like probably 10, 12 years ago, I was doing this forever. And then I just stopped doing it last year. And I really want to get back to doing that. So, I mean, that's only 10 minutes of my time. So I'm not really worried about that. And I think I'm actually going back to working out in the morning versus the afternoons, because a lot of my workouts were just getting tarnished by clients and emails coming in, and I couldn't put my phone away. So, and of course, like afternoons are always the worst with clients reaching out. So what I'm doing is I'm going to put that back in the mornings, and I'm just going to make sure that I allocate some business building time, whether it's in the afternoons or whether it's on the weekends, 
I'm still going to get that in there, but I'm going to take more priority over my health this year while not sacrificing the output on my business. So it sounds like you're actually throwing the morning routine back into the mix while saying cut it out. But I think we'll show you in a few points that we're actually going to just reframe it and show you how to layer things into that time. So you're actively working while getting other shit done at the same time. And Willow told me today that I should stop saying shit as a replacement for stuff because it makes the stuff sound crappy. So I'll I'll try that going forward. (laughs) Yeah, no crappiness here, man. And to clarify, you got to find a fine balance. Like I was doing some ridiculous morning routines. I'm probably doing about half of what I was doing before. You still got to allocate that business building activities to build your business. So... That is it for morning routine. I'll leave it at that. I can go on all day about that. The next point here is time blocking. And that's something that both of us have been super effective in the last year doing that with our calendars. So why don't you kind of speak a bit about that? Yeah, so it's exactly what it sounds like. You just set your defined time. So for us, we have like podcast recording. You might have prospecting. So for me, what I have is I drop my daughter off at school in the morning. I do that first 45 minutes. I just check on any emergencies that might have come up or quick email once over and then I go to one hour of prospecting and that's like non-negotiable every day. Sometimes it goes over but the base is always that one hour and that sets me up for a really good day and also always keeps the leads coming in. Yeah that's something similar to what I'm doing too is I'm allocating my non-negotiables first thing in the morning after my routines And that allows me to get shit done before I said, shit, there we go. And that allows me to get stuff done before we kind of get into the weeds of emails and more client calls, trying to get files worked. Those non-negotiables got to get done. And that kind of leads us into our next point, which is checklists and non-negotiables. This is the last point on the foundation framework. So you love checklists. Why don't we hear what you do with your checklists? I do love checklists, which is kind of funny because if you told me that five years ago I love checklists, I would tell you you're an idiot. I thought they'd be super restrictive, but what it does is it just sets you up to like quickly fly through and know that you've done what's required. So an example is like I'll have like the number of asks that I'm going to do that day and it's just a check mark. If it's repetitive tasks that has like three steps to it, like discovery call, send them the application link update realtor list, whatever it might be, you can put that into the checklist and just go check, check, check. So you know, you're never missing the step. And where this came from, I believe it's a book called the checklist manifesto, which I never read because it sounded like one of those books that was going to hammer the same point over and over again. But the takeaway from it was that like pilots, doctors, high performing people save a lot of time and mental energy by just knowing that this is the list of things they always have to do reduces errors and also like that mental load because you're not thinking okay what's next what next what next it's always typically the same and it allows a lot of opportunities to build in your process these efficiencies and think of moments of wow and just put little layers in there so yeah big checklist guy give us an example of a checklist so are you talking about like a to-do list or are you talking about like checklists on like sequences for like signing packages or something Yeah, so I have like, I'll give you an example of one would be like my compliance package at the end when a file is funded. In order to get paid, your file has to be compliant. So I have a checklist of all the documents that go under compliance documents and then funding documents. So it's like 
income, letter of employment, appraisal, et cetera, and just going through the box, checking the list. And I've got a pretty good compliance streak within the brokerage. I think I held the torch there for a while when they were doing that update. Did someone beat you? Uh, no, they stopped doing the update. So I don't know who the leader is anymore, but I think you ended up on top, man. Yeah, I had a pretty good streak going. And it was just because I knew every document that needed to be there. And, you know, it was always efficient. I don't do the to-do list thing too often because I find that one, it can be kind of psychologically daunting if you see like 25 things. Also, you end up like the brain finds the easier way out. So what I'll do is like that day, I'll be like, hey, these are the three to five things I need to get done. And then if there's extras, I have that kind of like not a checklist. It's just like a running tally of the extras I could throw into the mix. Yeah, so it sounds like you still do to-do lists. Yeah, but not like, hey, I didn't get my to-do list done today. Today was a total write-off. That kind of stuff. I don't do that anymore. Yeah, you got to have flexibility with it because I'm a big advocate of to-do lists and I've always done them. Like I was a big advocate for writing them down because there is something I read too where it's more satisfying when you actually like physically check a box off, but then it wasn't as efficient. So what I started doing is I just use my iPhone Notes app for everything when it comes to recording all of my to-do lists. And what I've been doing recently is I'll prioritize it in number sequences. So if I know something needs to get done like ASAP, then I'll put that as like number one and then I'll just order them in sequence. And then I, I know what to start at. And then if I get down to say, I have like 10 for the day and I get to number seven, that's fine. I'll just put that right back to the top. But if something pops up and it's taking more priority over the other three things, then I'll put it to the top. And yes, it's never ending, but that's not the point. You're not trying to just get to the bottom of it. It's just to keep you on pace and on target for everything you need to get done. And it keeps you accountable because without that, you're going to forget about certain things. Like I'll even put in a reminder to myself to just email a client back, like stuff like that. So I'm a big advocate of to-do lists as well. Okay. Interesting. And I used to have a pretty detailed like to-do list that had like triages like this is a priority now but i spent too much time on it so yeah quick and dirty i'm actually writing it in the book and then i can just go back a couple days i use a purple highlighter once it's done i thought you're just flushing a bible at me man it does look like a bible (laughs) go door to door knocking do you want to see my to-do list (laughs) (laughs) all right i digress so That's kind of the way to set your foundation. So the stage is set day to day. You can go in knowing what you have to do and how it's going to be done. And you're just crushing it. You're just literally going through the motion in order to stick to this, to have it actually work. You need to guard your time. And the simplest way to do that is to just avoid distraction and avoid interruption. So now we're going to start to build on the layers of what to do. And number one is Just put your phone on silent mode. Don't put it on do not disturb because then people will sometimes get a little notice on that, which I learned the hard way. The silent mode, you can't hear it unless you want to look at it. It'll stop you from looking at your phone. My phone usage dropped because Apple loves to send you that every week, which I feel like is on a Sunday. I'm like, it's just savage. But mine dropped 35% from not having the interruptions. Well, if you had your phone on silent mode, you won't get those notifications. Right? Yes, you will. I don't think you do. I never get them. You must have something else on. Do you turn your silent mode on and off? Yeah, of course. Throughout the day? Yeah. Oh, that's why, man. You got to have it on 24-7. No, no, no. Sometimes I want to know when, like in the evening, if I'm texting you or another friend or whatever, I want to hear a message coming in once in a while. Yeah, I think it comes down to preference. You're like a hybrid kind of guy when it comes to silent mode. I'm a do or die. 
I never, ever have it off. And I, I know that's the extreme, like you hate it. My family, my friends hate it. But at the same time, man, like I don't have any buzzing, any rings or anything going on throughout my day. If I want to get to something, I'll check my phone. You know, I'm pretty good at getting bad to people. I don't take forever, but I like to do it on my own time versus like having these constant interruptions throughout my day. And yeah, it might frustrate you, but for like lead coming in, they don't know any better. They just think I'm on another call and I have my auto response anyways. For anyone who's ever tried to call Tom, it's arguably the most frustrating experience you'll ever have. I know how to get through the barrier now. I won't tell everyone how no, to Don't tell everyone the secret. The secret, but I know how to get through the emergency barrier. But you have to like do it. And I'm like, oh man, this is so annoying, especially if you're like walking and it's cold and you take your glove out to call call you and then you're like, oh, do it again. <laughs> Come on. Go on. It's like six degrees in January here, Brandon. Come on. I'm gonna get on my beeper. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that with silent mode. Yeah, we'll leave silent mode on that. Point two here is one that you do all the time. So I'll let you touch on why you do it. But Tom plays his podcast, audiobooks, and YouTube on 1.5 speed. I don't do this all the time. Was listening to some of your Loom videos and I was like, holy fuck, these are fast. But I did do it the other day. I was listening to a really slow talker and I was like, oh man, this saved me a bunch of time. So there are times that I will apply this, but you do this religiously for everyone. So you're probably used to going that fast. But tell me, why did you put that in? Well, yeah, I was actually going to say it does depend on who you're listening to because some people talk faster, some are slower. I'm at the point where I'll at least have a baseline of, it sounds so stupid, I'll have a baseline of 1.5 and then I'll go up to two speed if it's someone that's like super slow. But man, like it saves so much time. I forget where I first heard this from, but ever since doing it, like it's kind of weird at first, but as you do it, everything else seems so much slower as you listen to stuff on 1x speed. And okay, if I'm doing, let's just use a 2x versus 1x, I can get that podcast done in half the amount of time, especially if it's more of like a talk show podcast or something that's not like super specific on strategies, then you can for sure go with the 2x versus if it's something like, we'll use this podcast as an example, like this episode, it's pretty granular. Most of our stuff is you might not want to do a 2x because you're probably like taking notes or you should be taking notes, then go with like a one or one and a half x, like go to your liking, but like, just try it out. That's all I would say about this. Just try it out. If it's not for you, all good. But for me, it saves me a lot of time and it allows me to get to the next episode or the next YouTube video. And I'm just constantly consuming and learning more because I have more time to do it. Yeah, you do crush a ton of content. You're like, listen to these podcasts. I'm like, dude, this is two hours. How did you get this done? So no, it's great though. Like if you can get into the habit of it and not feel like you're listening to like an Alvin and the Chipmunks song or (laughs) (laughs) watching one of those movies, it is pretty effective. Yeah. You might think I'm a psycho or you might love it, but you guys let us know. You are a psycho and I love it. So (laughs) (laughs) you love this next one. Next one, kick it off because this is your baby. All right. Inbox zero. So I still don't have Brandon on board with this. All good though, because it still works for me. So inbox zero, it's how it sounds like it's a concept of just trying to get your inbox down to zero messages in the main inbox. I'm probably going to do a whole episode on this because it's like pretty in depth. Like if I actually wanted to go through like how to do it, but just know that like inbox zero is pretty much like you want to get it down to zero by the end of the day. Some days you're not going to be able to, let's just use a client email that comes through. You're either going to respond to it or you're going to respond to it later, but you need to action that. And instead of just leaving it in the inbox, you might have like it pushed out because in our industry, we get like lender emails, rate emails, like so much shit comes through. 
if I have tabs on the side of my Gmail, as an example, I have folders on the side. Let's use Scotia as an example. If I have a Scotia rate email that comes in and I don't need to action it, I'm just going to drag that over to the Scotia tab. I know what's in there and I could reference it later versus like if it's something I need to action, I'm going to leave it in the main inbox and I know to action it later. Then once I action it, if it's a client email, for example, I'm going to respond to it. And then I'm going to drag that to my clients tab. So any client email that I want to reference, I can go to that clients tab. It's going to be right in there. And I know I've already responded to it. And this is what I've been doing. I have a whole setup for our team. You and I have our own tabs. And then for our new fulfillment that's coming in, she or he is going to have that tab as well. And it's just a really good way to organize not only your email, but your mind as well. And you know, if that's at zero, you don't have any other tasks to do to respond to other clients or whatever. Yeah, no, do like it for the one inbox. What I do is like, if I know I have to action something, I read it and then I mark it as unread. So I have like the visual cue to go back to it. And that's more my style, which I think drives you crazy because you're like, he hasn't seen this, but whatever. It's all right. No, it honestly doesn't because we have our own separate tabs, right? So as long as it's out of the main email and it's in your tab, I don't care. You do what you want with it. If it's unread, all good. It doesn't show the unread message in the main inbox. And that's all I care about. That sounds so confusing for people, but I promise you I'll do a video on this and I'll even do a screen record going through this because it's really changed how my business is operated and it might work for different people, different mindsets. But I think a lot of you that are maybe like type A personalities, this might apply to you as well. For sure. Okay. Number four on this one of guarding your time is quick or no. We've touched on this before and I feel like a lot of people have touched on this. It is the hardest thing to do because you don't always know when to say no and when a file is not going to be a fit for you until you're kind of elbows in, at which point sometimes it feels like it's too late to pull out. But if you can get into the habit of it and just get a little bit better on it, you do save yourself so much time. We talk about this all the time when we're like doing like a bitch and resolve where we kind of complain about what's going on in our file and we come up with a few quick ways on how to resolve those issues. And a lot of it, like Tom or myself will just point out like, hey, if you had said no Gates, this isn't really our type of file. If you said no, you wouldn't be in this right now. And we are always like, you're so right. It doesn't feel good realizing that because at that point, usually it's too late. But if you can get to that quicker no faster, you're going to save yourself probably 10 to 20 hours, which does compound over the year. Yeah. And like you said, it is easier said than done, but it will save you time. And it takes a lot of, I would honestly say skill and practice because you're going to need skill and practice through it to find out which ones you're going to say no to. And that comes down to like making your no-go list right out of the gate and refining that over time. And we've talked about that. You can go back to earlier episodes on the no-go list. But another point is that it's not just for leads and client files. It can be for referral partners. Like I just had a pretty big, I would say big, but I had a no last week. Realtor asked me to be part of his, not a webinar, what do you call it? A seminar. So in person. Yeah. And he sent me one lead and it was like crappy. And I know he's not that busy. That wasn't my only reason to say no, but I said no. To say no to it was like hard at first, but after I was like, oh man, like felt great. Now I'm not going to waste, I don't know, however long it would have taken me to create my own presentation for it and drive there, do the whole thing. Who knows how many people are going to actually be present for the seminar. So that's a good example of like, just say no. Yeah, I've had the same thing where someone sent me this whole like, US breakdown of 
different rates over the years. And they're like, this is done in the States. Could you do this in Canada? And I was like, I'm sure I could do this. Smart enough to put this together for you. But like, this is going to take me probably 10 hours of work. And I don't think the return on it is worth my time. So I'm like, appreciate you coming to me and thinking that I would be the one to do this for you. But it's just not the right fit for how I work. And they're like, okay, that's cool. I totally get that. I respect that you respect your time. Yeah. And we've had that too, even within our brokerage, asking us to do certain things where we've just said, no, like it's not a good fit for us and how we're allocating our time right now. Like we're focused on growing our book of business and other pieces. And we can't always be the guy, even though we can physically, mentally, we're capable of doing it. We're guarding our time. We're protecting and making sure that we're pointed towards the things that we actually want to get done. Well, yeah, and we have the podcast to reference, right? Like, I'm pretty sure we've come to those examples. Like you've just pointed them in the direction of the podcast because we've already covered that topic. It's like, hey, like go listen to this. Sure, if you have more questions, feel free to ask. But like, yeah, it's hard. You got to guard your time and you feel like a dick saying it and it doesn't come naturally to me either. But, yeah. and especially like if you're newer in the business, if it's a realtor or someone asking you for your time, deep down, you know, it's not worth your time, but we don't have business. Sure, go explore it, but like, just think to yourself, like, if I had those two hours, is there something else I can do to get more leads? Yes, there is. We've talked about all of it. Go put your head down, do two hours of lead gen, and I promise you, you'll get way more business than spending two or three hours trying to set up a seminar with one realtor where you have no idea how many people are going to show up to that event. For sure. And make sure if you're doing those tasks that it's aligned with the type of files you actually want to do. I see so many people doing them where they're like, for divorced buyers or recently separated, that kind of stuff, or self-employed where they don't like doing B files, or they're like, if you're mortgage agent level one, you can't access certain tiers of funding, like private lending, like don't do things for certain classes of investors. Like just like align yourself with the partners and tasks that actually serve your business. Yeah, exactly, man. All right, next one here, we are just going to touch on quickly because we hit this on the head so many times. And that is just templating your common messages. So lead comes in template, uh, file. What's another one? Give me another example here, Tom. I like the calendar link. So I mean, I'll touch on that in a sec. But did you just say lead in? Ooh. That's my big one. Pre approval, pre approval template. Like that's a big one because you got a lot of stuff going on in there. Signing package template, closing email or text template. Yeah, the list goes on. I went through all of that in the episode of turning your client journey into a leads machine. I went over all of the different templates we use in that. So go ahead there if you want examples of that. But yeah, anything that you know, you're going to do more than once and often template that thing. Exactly. One last thing on there, you can do that on your iPhone too. So I won't go into how to find it, but just go in your settings and you'll find it somewhere. I think it's like called text replacement. So you can do this. I did this with my calendar link. You can put a link in there and then just have like a text word or form where you type it in anytime you're on your phone, whether you're on an Instagram message or a text message. Like what I did is I had my calendar link. It was my discovery call link. And I had book me, like one word, book me. And anytime I type that, I can just click. There's like a little thing that pops up on your texting, I just click that and it, it types in my actual uh, calendar link. So there's like little hacks that are on your iPhone that you can do too, not just like using Yesware or any other like email templates. Oh, that's sick. I'm actually going to get you to show me how to do that because... Yeah, it's super awesome. easy. My calendar link and text always gets like reshuffled and like spaced out. I'm like, ah, I can retype this. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
Okay, last one here is one that we've started doing a lot more. We kind of hinted to this at different points with morning routine and time blocking, and we're going to call it like activity merging, but basically what it is is just like layering two things at the same time. So if you're working out, you can do some prospecting. Like if you're on a treadmill, you can send DMs and stuff on Instagram. You can do a few follows and messages that way. If you're going for a walk, you can listen to your podcast. You can actually schedule a call with realtors. One of the things I'm going to send out to my realtors is, hey, I want to do a few more walking meetings. If you want to have a quick 15 minutes just to talk about anything in business at all, look at here and it's going to be just a walk and chat. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And it's kind of like gets everyone outside and it's layering two things together. That's cool. I'm thinking off the top of my head here, this might sound stupid, but what about for our Friday emails, instead of like us in our office, why don't we change the scenery? Maybe do like a walk and talk video every once in a while. That'd be kind of cool. I've done that a couple of times where there's like this woods near my house and I've gone into the woods. It can be pretty cool. Sometimes funny when you're like filming yourself in the woods and then like someone else walks by and you're like, this looks a little weird. But <laughs> it would be it kind of reminds me of like you go on like TikTok and people are doing other activities while like there's like text on the screen and people are actually there because they're like watching this person like put makeup on or something. I wonder if that would get more views with like your Friday emails if you're doing that, like a, just a different change of pace or scenery with them seeing that like GIF in the actual email, yeah, the different background. It's worth playing around with because we're always like in our offices or sometimes I'll go out in my backyard, you know, I have that giant green living wall and I'll use that because it just refreshes the scenery. It looks different. Yeah. Those do get more views. So yeah, we should try and play around with that. A bit. There's something there. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I started doing this last year too, is listening. I mean, that's why you just mentioned, like I just consume so damn much. And sometimes it's, it's honestly too much, but I get a lot of consumption because I'm listening to this stuff while I'm doing like my workouts or doing the dishes drives my wife nuts. Like if I have my AirPods in, but I have them in all the friggin' time around my house, like whenever I'm not with family. So I always try to like take them out for that. Uh, they come into the room because it drives her nuts. But like I learned so much just by doing that. I think we talked about this too on another episode is it could take like two or three minutes to create a video. And if you're like in between sets and like doing a workout, you can go to my TikTok. I don't really post too much on there, but there's a video. I think I got like the 94,000 views on it just from like, pulling out my phone and talking about how rates drop, like fixed rates. It literally took me like two minutes to do. I'm like, man, if I could just do that, like every workout. And I started doing that back in my TikTok days. Like it's a cool way to leverage your time. Yeah, I find I do that now where I'll, if I go on like the treadmill, I'll hop on threads and jump in like a few. Oh yeah, right. There. I've got it on mute and I try not to engage with it unless I'm like on the treadmill or doing something where it's like layered in because then Number one, the time passes faster when you're doing something boring. Yeah. And then number two, you're adding, you're doing a little workout and you're getting a bit of productive stuff for the business in there as well. Yeah. That was an extensive list, but that's why I love podcasts. You can always go back to it and listen to it again. Write some notes down. Maybe go through a 2x speed on the next time you listen to it. Get a little fancy. You don't even need to do notes. You can do a little checklist. Boom. Ah, there we go. <laughs> All right, everyone. So yeah, level up 2024. There's two frameworks and 10 ways to do it. Make a checklist, time block in your calendar of implementing this. All this stuff only works if you put it into practice. Have an awesome week and we will see you next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.